if Caleb Swanigan is going to be a first-round pick and get guaranteed money, I agree with Jeremy Wu. I agree with Sam Vecini. I think he has to go. I think he should go. I think he will end up going. I think he will get drafted in the first round, but I think he will stay in the draft. I agree with you. I think he's going to stay in the draft as well. I think he's got to go, and here's the reason why I think he's going to have success in the NBA, and we've talked about this before on the podcast. He's going to go to a team that's already successful. He's going to go to a team where he's not going to be expected to be the star. He's going to go to a team where he's going to fall into the rotation and they're going to find a job for him. So I think Caleb Swan is going to stay in as much as we'd love to come back and like light up NCAA basketball next year. He's going to go and he's going to go late in the first round. He's going to go to a place that's tailor made for him. Absolutely, without a doubt, Rolly Alkins has to come back. It's ridiculous. I don't know why it's taking so long. Why are you messing around, Rolly? Okay, you average 10.9 points and 4.9 rebounds on a talented Arizona team. If you come back, you'll probably be the second in scoring behind Trier. He could absolutely guarantee himself being a first-round pick if he comes back. Rolly Alkins, wake up. Come back, Rolly. Come back. If Dang Adele stays, 6'7 wing, really skilled, can do a lot of things, can shoot the three, defend multiple positions. If he comes back, Louisville can still be a top 10 preseason team, and then they will be talked about as a Final Four team. Dang Adele just seems to be lost in the shuffle here. I think he's a very generic player in this particular draft, but if he comes back, then he comes back in a weaker draft. Then he's looking at a potential first-round situation. Right now, I think it's unbelievably cloudy for him. So I don't know why he would deal with that cloudiness. Uh, Coach Patino at Louisville has done a great job with player development. Come back. Help Quentin Snyder get your team to a Final Four. I think this is a very easy decision, personally, for him. Welcome to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast with your hosts, Mike Randall and Gus Kearns. NBA draft deadline drama. For some reason, it played out just as we hoped for all the NBA, NCAA, and just general hoop vagabond junkies out there. It went down to the wire for some of those student-athletes to decide whether they were going to go into the NBA draft or not. And this draft deadline drama somehow produced a little bit more excitement, a little bit more attention, and a little bit more, I don't know, vibe for the upcoming NBA draft in June and for the NCAA teams that were kind of left holding the bag and waiting for their student-athletes to make a decision, albeit a more informed decision on whether they were going to remain in the NBA draft or not. Mike Randall, did you buy into the NBA draft deadline drama? Did were, were you a participant? Did you did you get any angst? Were you were you involved? Uh, totally involved. I have a cast on my thumb right now because my thumb from hitting refresh on Twitter, uh, I think has been a little damaged. I think I have Twitter thumb because I kept refreshing to see is Caleb Swanigan staying or going. I mean, Svi Mihailik too. But really, hitting refresh, it was an exciting time, a lot of drama here, more than I can remember in a long time. I'm feeling like this deadline that's imposed by the NBA draft is actually a good thing, and then followed by the 10-day window uh, that follows up the combine, it just, it just add, like it's the perfect amount of time. Now... The unfortunate part of this is that the college coaches 
are then left hanging because this is like a big recruitment period for them. They're they're left hanging if like let's say like let's just take Michigan like they're waiting on like Mo Wagner and and DJ Wilson is Beeline going to go ahead and push for a big or is he going to go for a wing? He's not sure where to put his recruiting attention because he's waiting on his two big guys to see if they're going to come back or not. But I think that just adds to the drama as annoying as it might be for big time college coaches that are waiting for their student athletes decisions. But those decisions are way more informed now that they get to go through the combine process and then actually go to individual workouts for NBA teams and get feedback from those teams. Make no mistake, Gus, this is just like the NFL. The NFL has been able to keep the focus on the league throughout the year. You have the combine, then you have the draft, you have the lead up. And college basketball is doing a little bit of the same flavor. Yeah, the, the, no, no. I, yeah, I think I think we're all in the same area. I think we just all need to align and 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 find the right pew. I'm with you. Yeah, the the, the combine was great. The ten day window is good. They're getting better. I like the people are coming back. Gives us a little little agita because they all declare right. We're thinking everybody's leaving. 182 underclassmen, whatever it was. But right. most of the people made the right decision, and it, and it builds. And it was an exciting day for us on on. Uh, on Wednesday, I think it was. The first uh, individual that we'll talk about will just go ahead and try to go uh, cross-culture here and go a little pop culture. Um, over the weekend, we had the Billboard Awards, Billboard Music Awards, and uh, it just so happened when I was flipping, you know, in between, like, Girl Meets World and um, Liv and Maddie. Whoa, uh, whoa, was, whoa was that. that there. Okay. We, we flipped to it because we wanted to see a couple of performances, and uh, Diddy walks out on stage, and that brought me back a little bit to the bad boy days. And uh, Diddy goes ahead and gives this beautiful speech and, and talks about uh, Notorious B.I.G. and his relationship with him. And then, lo and behold, in the end of his speech, he brings out Biggie's son, who is now like a young adult and was as tall as Diddy standing us on the stage. And then, you know, his son came out and said some beautiful words about his father you know very much respected his artistic work and so on and so on so biggie 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 can't you see and that's why we had that song to open up a tribute to biggie biggie on the billboard award those award shows are always good for something right someone's yeah. jumping you know up, what that, yelling, that was yeah. it was like a poignant moment it was really cool to hear diddy you know rehash some cool experiences that he had with notorious big because if you're uh you know from that age and and you're an east coast guy like that was part of your upbringing uh that was part of your musical upbringing like listening to those records and listening to those albums um so it was cool to see hear him rehash and he was just talking about how like they're going to put a film together with all of those particular artists like faith hill locked and mace and and all of those other bad boy uh label artists which was really cool but to get to college basketball biggie 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 he goes ahead and declares for the draft Hip- and hypnotize, hypnotize. <laughs> that's a great one too. Very nice. That's a great. Uh, by the way, that's a great video. Uh, outstanding. The video is always good. Purdue gets like a mixed bag, right? They keep Vince Edwards, keep Isaac Hoss, lose Biggie, which was expected. Mike, what was your take on Biggie staying in the draft and keeping his name in and like adding some drama to this? You know, this draft deadline. Uh, drama that existed on Wednesday. Sam Bassini changed me. I wanted Biggie to come back. I was looking through it uh, with the wrong lens. He's not. He could not possibly improve on 18 and 12 any more than he did. There's no reason to come back. I think he will be a solid pick. I will think. I think he'll be a late first round pick. He will get himself some guaranteed money. You and I will have a cerveza when he does because he deserves it. He will be totally. on a good team, as you mentioned last time, and therefore he'll be able to contribute. Can you say San Antonio? 
I think he has to go because at a six, it's six nine. It's just too much to expect him to improve his stock that much more, and he could get overshadowed. Listen, everybody's talking about him. He was coming back, could have been the uh, player of the year. Yeah, maybe, but there's also a guy up in East Lansing who could have been player of the year as well. So he was the clear Big Ten player of the year this year. That may not have been true last year. I'm glad he went. We're going to miss him, though. That's why we gave him a little tribute. Biggie Swanigan improved. You know the story. Middle school, was obese, wasn't an athlete. Improved to almost 80% from the line, 40% from three. Biggie, we love you. Best of luck in the NBA. Couldn't have said any better. Uh, what does this leave Purdue now? This still leaves Purdue as a top 15, 20 team, would you say? Top 15 team. Uh, yeah, they need Haas to score. Uh, they, they're going to need Haas to start developing. I mean, the traveling in the post was cute when you're a freshman, uh, you know, Isaac, but we got to start scoring. Edwards is really solid. They have the guards back. They, so, they, you know, they, they should be a really good three-point shooting yeah. team again. Dakota's going to shoot it. Dakota's yep. going to shoot it. Carson Edwards is back. He uh, was a freshman last year, did a great job. They should be really solid, but they're going to need Haas to develop because if Haas doesn't play that 14-9 and nine role and not be a walking foul, they're very small inside. But if he's in there as an anchor, they're going to be right there at the top of the Big Ten. Well, the, the dilemma that they had last year that – Coach Painter did an unbelievable job. This is the most underrated part of his coaching job last year is that he couldn't play his best three players together at the same time on the floor. He couldn't play Edwards, Haas, and, and Swanigan on the floor at the same time because there's three players for two positions. Like They're all either fours or fives if you're going to call it that traditional position-wise. So I think that problem kind of solves itself, and now we can play both of those guys together with shooters around them. Not saying that like losing Biggie is like an advantage or like a plus, but at least there's a solution to the playing time that didn't exist last year, and that's why you know both both Edwards and Haas didn't have the minutes per game that you thought that they would if you go back and look at their box scores because he had to pl- keep Biggie on the floor the whole entire time. And now those guys are going to get Biggie's minutes in those positions. And if they run the same offense, wouldn't it be cool if like Vince Edwards gets a whole bunch of those shots or or, or Haas gets a whole bunch of those post ups? Like I think that sounds like a, a winning solution. Yeah, they they only had the eight man rotation last year, right? But the only people they really lost are Swanigan and Spike Albrecht. I always love Spike Albrecht. Had such a great uh, final game, I think, a few years ago uh, for Michigan against Louisville. Yeah, for Michigan. Yeah. Uh, but the, Carson Edwards, Klein is back. The PJ Thompson is is a better version of a rich man's Tum Tum Nairn. So they have Matthias, like you said. If Carson can take a good sophomore leap, they are going to be better than you think. Uh, they have a solid team, and when you lose that big guy, we talked about this all the time, the, this sort of key player, there's a hangover and the team should rise. So I think Purdue is a team that people will overlook because they lose Swanigan, but I think they should be pretty good. Yeah, I'm totally with you on that. I, again, we don't want to say that they like, oh, congratulations, Purdue. Like you lost arguably the player of the year or at least like a top three player of the year last year. Like you're going to be better this year. But I think they're not going to drop that far, I think is the is the uh, rationale that we're using here. How, how about uh, one of your guys? Another, we'll stay in the Big Ten. How about DJ Wilson, which he was like, I mean, if we're going to talk fence, he was right in the center of the fence and couldn't go either way. But he decides to keep his name in. What was your take on DJ Wilson staying in? And did you have some intel or some opinion on whether that was a good decision, bad decision, or right decision? I wanted DJ Wilson to stay so badly. I put that article on BT Powerhouse about the four yeah. players going in. Great and article. I, I was three for four. Cam Williams, Moritz Wagner, of course, and, and Biggie. Wilson was frustrating to me. I, he left. I, I thought... 
since he was really thinking about it and he posted the picture on Instagram in his Michigan shirt. I, you know, I bought into the whole social media thing. What am I, five years old, Gus? But I, the issue is he's 6'10", 240, had a big leap this year. He's a versatile guy with a lot of players coming back. Listen, in my mind, if he gets drafted in the first round, he made the right move. He yeah. Is, he's on Draft Express right now. They have him going at pick 27 to the Nets. That Sounds would be right. guaranteed money. I think a good bet if you want to make a bet with your friends and you're into the lottery like us and I am, who goes first, him or Ivan Rab? I think that's a good discussion. If good he, discussion. If he's a second-round guy and doesn't get automatic money, I think it's a mistake. Unless there's some family issue, of course, called the, uh, the LJP corollary that I don't know about. But otherwise, because if he had gone back to Michigan – they right. would have had a – I mean, I'm talking a top team that could have challenged Michigan State. And they still have a lot of guys back. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. The, you know, with, with Wagner back, they got the transfer from Ohio who's in there now. They could have been super, super good. But he does go – I thought him and Wagner would do it together. Wilson also had a pretty good combine as well. Uh, yeah, Wilson showed out where Wagner, I think, showed he was a very average athlete, where, where Wilson showed he was uh, – you know, borderline elite athlete, maybe not like Hamadou Diallo uh, type athlete. But I think those numbers definitely helped him steer in the right direction and made a good decision here. I agree with your like 25-ish area. And I'm sure that he got some good intel from NBA executives that said like, hey, we like you at this spot. And that's why he decided to stay in there. So I think good decision from uh, DJ Wilson, as much as we'd like to see him come back and find more success at Michigan. And really um, and really quick, I think Duncan Robinson is likely to join the starters again, that he slides back into the starting lineup. Oh, yeah. I think that's a no-brainer. I think they put him at the four. Um, you know, he they let him bomb away, and he's a very uh, – come on. How much of a beeline four is Duncan Robinson? Uh, he's at, no, he's perfect. He's, right, he's, he's like perfect Wagner. for that role. I mean, he, he was perfect for that role this year just in limited minutes. Um, so he's going to get expanded minutes and more shots from three. So you just want to see his percentages stay in that forty percent range, like they were this year. Yeah, the Walton loss doesn't hurt because it, it doesn't hurt because Jaron Simmons is in there from Ohio, six one scoring guard, you know, sort of a flammable player. So Michigan's going to be good. Michigan's going to be a top of the Big Ten as well. I put them a notch ahead of Purdue. Really, you put them ahead of Purdue? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I think. I mean, listen, I think, I think uh, Simmons is a pretty solid player. Yeah, they'll have Wagner back. They'll have Duncan Robinson there. Yeah, uh, I, I think they're going to be an issue. I'm going to tell you right now, I 100% disagree with you. I, I, really? I'm take, yeah, I, I think Purdue is a top 15 team, a borderline top 10 team with the guys that they have returning. I Yeah, I, I take exception to that. I, I'm totally on the other side of you here. Interesting. Uh, so, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll, I mean, we'll, we'll hash out our top 10 or, you know, way too early top 25 later. But no way. There's no chance in my mind that I'm – rating Michigan uh, ahead of Purdue preseason. No oh, chance. Let, write that down, my friend. Let's do a preseason bet. When we do the when we get to previews in October, who's going to have a better season? I think Michigan's going to be very good. I, I think Beeline's got his mix back. Yeah, I, I do. No. And I like Purdue. Yeah. So I'm not saying Michigan's going to be terrible. I just think Purdue's going to be really, really good again. That's oh, all I'm saying. Let's do a wager. I'll do it. And we'll do it when we get to October. We'll think of something good. Okay. End of year okay. wager on who has a better record in the Big Real, Ten. But, Okay. Uh, well, I think we just go by Big Ten standings. No? Yeah, Big Ten standings. Good. Perfect. Okay. Excellent. Okay. We'll revisit that a little bit later. That sounds that sounds fair. How about Frank Jackson? Frank Jackson got some bad news recently. He had to go in for some foot surgery. Obviously, he got good reports from his combine or from NBA execs on his performance, but he had to go in for some foot surgery. Only about a month recovery, so on and so on. But Duke, Frank Jackson, what's your initial 
feel on this? Do you feel like, I, I guess there's like two sides of it, like, you know, not foot surgery and not knowing about the foot surgery and then knowing about the foot surgery. I'm going to go first. I think that even either way, I think it would have made more to, more sense for him to come back, but obviously he got some good report from somewhere that somebody likes him and likes his skill set. And it's weird on these combo guards, right? Because he, he was coming into Duke as being like a kind of point guard, uh, like a scoring point guard. And if you think about Duke's last scoring point guard, like we just saw him on display like in the last round of the NCAA tournament. It's Kyrie Irving, right? So like if we go ahead and you know just take a history lesson from Duke's scoring point guards history, okay, that sounds pretty good to me. Like if you're going to be compared to Kyrie Irving and you're Frank Jackson, that sounds all right. So maybe that's a good decision. But then any injury news that we have going into the draft can't do any favors for you. So I hope that the injury news does not knock him down a level and takes him down from where he thought he was going to be drafted, and now he's in a precarious position. This sums up what I think about Frank Jackson. Frank Jackson, as a scoring point guard, is a farce. Frank Jackson, I don't. of course he got great information, because anyone who declares for the draft, Gus, and here I go, gets great information and we like them. Let's start keeping it 100 here on the Screen the Screener podcast. If Frank, if Frank Jackson is going to be a scoring point guard in the NBA, then I am a calm, relaxed podcast co-host. All right? Frank Jackson is... Listen, listeners out there, you know where he's going. Frank Jackson is Jingsu Monkey King yes. all over it. He averaged 10.9 points, 2.5 rebounds, 1.7 assists, 19 years old, 6'4". Is he quick? No. Does he play hard? Sure. Is he a great shooter? No. Did he he have his moments where he scored for them? Yes, definitely did. He is not sniffing the first round. He isn't sniffing the first round with a straw. He's not coming anywhere near it. He's a second round, no guaranteed money, sitting on the bench, as Jalen Rose says, cashing his checks. Awful decision by Frank Jackson. As bad as you could be. He could have been a star on Duke next year. This is absurd. I don't know his personal situation, so let us know on Twitter. At SES Podcast on Twitter, if you know Frank Jackson's situation. Gus, this is a terrible decision. He was nothing, no impact. At least Harry Giles makes sense because if Harry Giles gets another knee injury, he's done. This is a terrible decision. Will he even get drafted? Draft Express has him as a 38th pick right now going to the Bulls. Terrible move. He's out of the league in five years. You can lock it up. Let me hear that game show noise again. Ah, awful. So, you know, we're going to talk about, like, impact one way or the other. Like, you hate that injury news is going to impact his draft status. That's the last thing I you want to I didn't even mention for, the injury news. For anybody. I didn't even mention it. You throw right. that in, it's idiotic. Any, so forget about 38. He's probably even further down from that. If you could make the argument, you could make a legitimate argument that would make sense, that would have credibility, that people would have a hard time arguing against. If Frank Jackson comes back to Duke, it's possible you could rank Duke as your number one team. Thank you. 
Thank in you. your preseason polls. Thank you. With the incoming freshmen that they have in, the returning bodies that they have with uh, Grayson Allen and Bolden, you could argue, and, and if you throw Jackson into that mix, you would have three excellent wings. You would have a great freshman point guard, and then you'd have a good freshman big man that you could toss it into. You could argue that they might be the number one team in the nation preseason. But now that he's gone, now Duke is left middling in the top 10 somewhere preseason. A little bit uncertainty as far as like who their third and fourth starters are going to be. And you just, again, screen to screener holds hope very dearly. And you hope that he gets drafted and gets an invite to a team and doesn't go undrafted and has to play the free agent game. It's that's, what we, that's what we hope for Frank Jackson. You're, you're, you're a better person than me. This is ridiculous. Frank Jackson is going because he started the year last year, Gus, 18, 21, 11, 17, 11, 19, 15, 11. He look, started... Look, he, st- he, played, he played well. Yes, but he played well because they were not totally healthy and he got playing time. I'm not saying he could right. not be a really good college player. I'm saying that snippet of eight games could have been his entire season next year. This is not a play. After that, single-digit city, city, baby. Oh, my goodness. I mean, at 14 against Troy, do we count that? By the way, and if we count that, Harry Giles had zero, but we'll get back to that in a minute. And South Carolina, he had 15. Very good. Four of nine from the field, two of five from three, made all his free throws. Terrible decision to go out for Frank Jackson. He's going out because he got a couple games. You are not Kyrie Irving. You can't sniff Kyrie Irving. You wouldn't beat Uncle Drew if Uncle Drew was the same age that he is the same age that he appears to be. Oh, great reference. Oh, my God. I'll take Uncle Drew over Frank Jackson straight up anytime. By the way, now that the Cavs are in the finals, I hope we see some more Uncle Drew commercials. Okay, next guy that was a little surprising to keep his name in. But you understand after seeing him like ball out and be super athletic is Devin Robinson of Florida. We want to give the Gators a little love. Devin Robinson do you feel like he's going to get drafted? Do you feel like he's going to get drafted in the first round? Do you feel like he's a second round guy? Did he make a mistake? What is your feeling on the former Gator, Devin Robinson? It's totally different here with Devin Robinson because he's a junior. This is what mm-hmm. I mentioned to you. I, I think it's a different situation. He played very well for Florida this year. He was a little sporadic. I don't like that he ended the year with, with seven points against Wisconsin in the win and five points. It would have been nice to see him come back. Do I think Devin Robinson is getting drafted? No, I don't think that anyone is drafting Devin Robinson. But that's just me. I, I, I Right now they got him 50, uh, Draft Express going to the Sixers. I mean, he's 22 years old, 11.6 rebounds. But my issue, I'm not going to take juniors to task us because I understand that they have put a couple years in right now. And listen, I don't know. I guess I don't know if Devin Robinson is going to be that much better as a senior. Frank Jackson could have been the starting point guard for Duke playing 34 minutes a game. Devin Robinson may be what he is. Big wingspan, over 7 feet, 6'8", 200 pounds. Do I think he's going to be in the D-League? You're darn right I do. But yeah. I don't know if Devin Robinson could have been a first-round pick in any format, so I'm okay with it. He's missing yeah. out on one year. One year, right? I, I think Devin Robinson felt like he was going to be the Malachi Richardson of this draft. Oh, what a great example. What and, a great example. 
and like show out and get drafted in the first round because Florida had like, you know, not a deep run like Syracuse did the, the year previous. And he wasn't necessarily the star player because you just read off his stats. He did not ball out like Malachi Richardson did against like uh, Virginia and Gonzaga. And he got a guaranteed first round, uh, first round contract. So I, I, I think there's some similarities there, but I also think that's where they stop. Like Malachi Richardson showed up at the at the right time. Devin Robinson did not. So I think where you know Draft Express or Tankathon or wherever whoever has them, I think fifties are the right spot for him. And if you're in the second round in the fifties, you might want to take a shot on him because he is an athletic wing. But at the same time, I don't know why not come back and be part of a Florida team that's going to be ranked in the top ten preseason. Yeah. I, Why not? I, it's funny you say Tankathon. I have it up right here on the screen. What, well, what, are the, what do they say about him? Well, they got him 52 going to the yep. Wiz- Wizards. Fine. Right. I, here's my point. I'm an NBA exec, Gus. So I'm taking Devin Robinson. I'm looking at a small forward-like player. That's what sure. I'm looking at. He's 6'8", 190. That's where they list him here, okay? Okay. How are you possibly taking him over Jaron Blossom game or Nigel Hayes? That's what I don't get. Very, very Hayes, hey, listen, Hayes, very similar. and listen, he's he's probably a little more skilled offensively than Hayes, but it's Nigel Hayes. He's smart. A little, little, that little longer, maybe. A little longer. Blossom game, a little longer, but Blossom game's more more um, more athletic. That's I don't see how I look at those three players and say, no, nah, I'm not taking Blossom game, who was triple teamed in Clemson and had a fantastic season. Uh, you know, it, 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 it's a great point. It's a superior point, actually, because like it's hard to delineate from those guys. Like anybody that's like six seven to six nine, that plays that position, that shoots the three, that's kind of athletic, that can do you know is multi skilled. Like how do you how do you delineate from like who's better from all those guys? I don't know. Can I give you one more? Would you rather have him or Wesley Awunda? Awundu. Well, I think I, I, I'd go Awundu. I agree. Yeah, so that's my point. Like, I, I, why are you taking yeah. Devin? This is my point. But fine, I, you know, it, I guess again, like I said, I want to be consistent about being consistency right. on the screen the screener podcast. He's missing out on one year. Would I have come back? Probably, but okay. whatever. He's not. He's not a freshman. Maybe he's a freshman. I think this is a horrific mistake. Horrific mistake. I, I just think it was interesting that he signed with an agent right away and kept his name in the draft. Uh, okay, one of the big names that we were waiting on, and this we talked about this last podcast where there was some legacy attached to this particular decision is Tony Bradley of UNC. We talked about all season on our podcast about how the UNC bigs are unbelievably skilled, really well coached, and get lots of touches, whether it be on the uh, delayed fast break, whether it be with the initial look-in and then the kick-out. The UNC bigs, they're, they're high-usage bigs. And Tony Bradley was next in line after Isaiah Hicks and, and Meeks this particular year to be that next in line uh, UNC high-usage big. So he had that like kind of waiting for him to happen. But obviously he got some great intel too and, and got some promises at the end of the first round that people liked him. So he decided to say, stay in the draft. So this, I feel like, has impact both ways. So the lever, you know, the door swings both ways with this decision. So let's go with Tony Bradley's decision first. Obviously, if he gets picked in the 20s, he's going to get like, I don't know, how about like 1.3? I know you might have like virtual GM up right now or, or, or what or whatnot, Mike. Um, but if you get picked at like 25, your guaranteed contract for next year as a rookie player is probably like 1.2, 1.3, somewhere in that, Nate. Uh, somewhere yeah, a little that, higher. A little higher, yep. A little higher. Okay, and then, you know, uh, obviously extrapolate that out, 1.5, 1.7. 
with a uh, team with a team option moving forward, right? So let's say Tony Bradley waits until next year, puts up gigantic numbers, uh, or not even gigantic, just like bigger numbers like that are comparable to either uh, Isaiah Hicks or Meeks. Or how about this? How about he puts up like Tyler Hansborough type numbers as a UNC big? How about that? Or maybe somewhere in the middle. So for somewhere in the middle, he's going to average about 17 points, maybe nine boards. You're telling me the big from UNC is not going to be a top 10 pick next year. And then if we look at a top 10 pick and their guaranteed money, 2.2, 2.4. Higher. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, we're talking about millions of dollars in difference of what he's going to be guaranteed if he comes out this year or comes out next year. Um, so maybe he just wants to go for the quick money grab. And then if he comes back, who's not putting UNC in their top five preseason and maybe not picking them to go to a third straight Final Four or maybe even a third straight championship game? So his decision had a whole bunch of working parts with it. I think with him leaving, that kind of not kills, but that definitely hampers UNC's chances of going back to a third straight Final Four or a third straight championship game. And also really puts a whole bunch of pressure on Joel Berry to go ahead and ball out and be crazy, which he might do, and he might be a first-team All-American next year anyway. But that really puts a lot of pressure on their backcourt of Pinson and uh, Joel Berry the third. Yeah, a lot, lot of ramifications here with Tony Bradley. Right. North Carolina was was still looked in good shape. They lost Meeks, they lost Hicks, they lost Justin Jackson. But with Barry back, Pinson, and if Bradley had come back, that would have given him a nice balance. This is a this is a lightning rod. This is a polarizing player here and tells you and all our fans out there who listen to Screen the Screener, this tells you where, where you lie. Gus, do you remember the last UNC player that was one and done? I, I do because I'm a, a vagabond hoops junkie. It was Brandon Wright in 2007. Now, here's the argument. that Very good, by the way. I, I expected you to know that because you know every question, so I, I expect <laughs> right. that. Right. So, Brandon Wright has been in the league for eight years. He has uh, not... He, uh, all right. So, I'm just going to go one, one more further. He get drafted by Memphis? Uh, he got drafted by Charlotte. First Char- round, okay. eighth, eighth pick. Sorry. Eighth pick, so guaranteed money. So, here's okay. the question, and I don't think there's a right answer. I just think it's a preference. Mm-hmm. Brandon Wright has not been in Jinxu Monkey King. Brandon yep. Wright has not been in Sioux Falls. Brandon no, Wright has been a been player in, in the National Basketball Association for eight years. Mm-hmm. Three years Golden State, one year New Jersey, three years Dallas, one year Boston, back to Dallas, one year Phoenix, two years Memphis. So Brandon Wright has made a lot of money. Brandon Wright has had sustained success. Now, he's never had double digits, but he's had a couple eight points per game. He's played 39 games. He's played 58 games, had a couple injuries, you know. So the question is, Brandon Wright was drafted in the top 10 picks. Brandon Wright got paid. He got a lot of money. But would have coming back to North Carolina allowed him to refine his game enough? Because, Gus, his minutes per game in the NBA, 9.9, 17. 17.6, 9.3, 11.5. And this is where the people who tell you that they can develop their game in the NBA are full of it. Because you're just not playing. You want yeah, to say you need opportunity. Pra- I know you're in practice, and and you know I had I had a chance. I went to Milwaukee, go to the Bucks practice facility. They're playing in there. They're getting after each other. It's not the same. It's not the same when you're playing one one game started the whole year. Right. Tony Bradley should be a first round pick. Tony Bradley has all the makings of being a really good player in the pros. He's got size. He's got strength. He's really young. He's a freshman. Draft Express has him going 41, that's second round to Charlotte. 
He's got a big wingspan at 7'5", he's 6'10", 248. He was 7 points, 5 rebounds. Tankathon has Tony Bradley going 32 uh, to Phoenix, so almost a first-round pick, couple picks away. Yep. Listen, if Tony Bradley comes back, the idea that he wouldn't be a first-round pick is idiotic. So my opinion, for what it's worth, Tony Bradley's making a mistake. But if Tony Bradley sneaks into the first round and gets picked like 26th by Portland or something like that, it's going to be hard to argue. But yes, I agree with everything you just said. I think Tony Bradley could have had Brandon Wright money and been a top 10 pick, but he stayed in because a lot of these other guys went out. And if you're looking for a big, okay, I'll say this to the cows come home. Why would you take Harry Giles at 22 and not take Tony Bradley? Totally agreed. And plus... Another argument, uh, you know, against Tony Bradley staying in is it just seems like there's a lot of those bigs in this particular draft, whether it be Patton or Collins or himself, that are just they have a very similar profile. And I think it's like, you know, who you prefer, like, do you prefer like the more athletic big? Do you prefer the athletic, the, the big that didn't have a lot of minutes? Like, I'm not sure. Because what, 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 one I think, thing I, I think it was a mistake. I think he could have came back and like, again built his legacy and helped build the legacy at UNC. And you know what else? UNC could have really used like one more great run because they still have, I mean, we talked about this, like I I can't believe we were still talking about this because Mike, if you remember, we talked about this like in October in one of our first or second podcasts ever that we ever did that UNC and the NCA, you know, cloud is still hanging over them. That that investigation is like unbelievably still yes, ongoing. Yeah, yes. So like why not have one more good run and hang around for your guys and 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 make sure that that you can hammer home like give give people in UNC country something to believe in. Gus, can you explain something to me? Why does Draft Express have Ike Anubogu going at 15 and yeah. Tony Bradley going at 41 that takes a long time to find him there and can Um, you tell me why tankathon has ike anabogu going at 19 and tony bradley going at 32 just doing a comparison my friend tony bradley 611 ike anabogu 610 tony bradley 249 ike anabogu 252 tony anabogu does is a little bit more athletic and a little bit more bouncy Right, but like, but, is there? Am I missing something? Is there right. some history of super great athletes developing in the NBA to dominant players? Am I missing something? Hashim Thabit, like, right. where are the? Where is the track record for the great athlete coming into the NBA, playing thirty seconds a night, traveling at the age of eighteen, not doing slip and slide in their basement in college, developing <laughs> into what? What about the development of college, where maybe Gus? Unfortunately, you're probably not taking the hardest classes in the world. Okay, so you have more time to hone your craft and your game when you walk down the hallway, and old Roy's there, and you can do post drills with old Roy and the coaches. For God knows how long, instead of sitting on the bench like Yaka Pirtle in Toronto, as I'm walking by from the VIP room, going, I stood up more than you did. What am I missing? Tell me what I'm wrong here. What is the development that's going on here? I, you know what? I don't, I don't know if there is that development. I think that NBA execs are rolling the dice and thinking that they're going to be smarter, the smartest person in the room, and pick the best big. And you hope the best big pans out. 
But like you said with Jakob Hurdle, like maybe it doesn't. And he went what? 11, 10, 11? Like, so if you pick Bradley at whatever, you said like anywhere from like 27 to 41, like he could be as good as the guy you pick at 10. It makes no sense. So if you're Bradley, like why not just go back and put up giant numbers and guarantee yourself, like you said, that Brandon Wright money. Where, where, Gus? Where is this? Like, you get an incredible athlete who tests out high at the at the combine, and you go to the NBA and you sit on the bench for three years, but then you come in and dominate. Where, where's this coming from? Do you know how many times Ike Anabogo had double digits this year? I'm guessing it was about five. He had one double digit game against at Arizona State, where he had 12 points. So he's not making an impact. Like Tony Bradley going, like Ike Anaboga could have been a t- if he's getting drafted fifteen to twenty this year with one double digit game. Why couldn't he come back and get drafted in the top five? He could be Jonathan Isaac. Like I'm sorry, I'm, like, I'm sorry, I I don't understand this. You jump, you have a long reach, you do the standing broad jump, your burst score, you can juggle three balls in thirty seconds, and all of a sudden, well, the potential is there. It's really unbelievable. Really, you know what the potential is? Jakob sitting next to me while I'm having a Miller Light and some popcorn. So, what what development is he getting? I'm done. So, I'm sorry. I'm done. Yeah. I, 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 again, I, I love I love the diatribe. I wanted Bradley to come back too, and I think it would have been the best move for him to come back. I'm crossing my fingers he gets picked in the first round, but guess what? I'm feeling like he's not going to. Let's end the guys who are going to stay in the draft on the most positive note that we can. Listeners out there, you may not recognize this name, and that's okay because Mike and I will educate you on this particular player that kept his name in the draft because he's a senior and he has no more eligibility. We're talking about Jake Wiley. He's from eastern Washington. He's a 6'6", 220-ish type forward, wing player. You may think, like, why are we talking about this guy? We're going to tell you the story of why we're talking about this guy and why he's included in the six-pack of players that we're talking about that kept their name in the draft. Jake Wiley has had an unbelievably awful upbringing. Part of his unbelievable awful upbringing was his parents don't live together. Look, curtain up, neither did my parents growing up. That's okay. It's not the end of the world. However, uh, I was in a stable ho- uh, household and... Seemed to come out on the other end okay. Jake Wiley did too. But with a way, way more desperate situation. He lived with his mom and then decided to go move in with his dad when he was 14. His dad being an alcoholic. His dad tried really hard. His dad went to his games. His dad supported him. His dad held odd jobs here and there. When he was in high school, his dad took his own life. Jake Wiley went back to his mom. He was a very talented basketball player. He went to go play at Lewis and Clark. Again, Lewis and Clark, you're thinking like, that's not D1. No, it's not. Um, He goes to Montana and goes ahead and tries to play D1 basketball at Montana. Uh, Coach Tinkle was there during the time that Wiley was there. Didn't get off the bench, didn't play much. Got depressed about multiple things. The cool thing here. Jake Wiley did not go down the spiral that, you know, kids might go down if they don't find success right away. Wiley joined the track team. He ran the 200. He ran the 400. He ran the 4 by one Mike, this guy's right up your alley. He joined the football team. He played receiver. He made some catches. He got injured. These injuries led, led to him not being able to compete in track, and then they, thus they cut his scholarship his athletic scholarship that originally was for basketball and then got transferred to track and for football. 
that's when he went to Lewis and Clark. He was a little depressed. He's a little down in the dumps. He decides to hit the reset button and decides, you know what? I'm going to go bananas here. Goes ahead and balls out and then ends up at Eastern Washington for his final year of eligibility for basketball. He ends up being the conference player of the year, averaging over 20 points a game, nine points a game, puts up two steals, two blocks, a whole bunch of numbers, total stat stuffer player. The guy has overcome unbelievable odds and is hoping to get drafted in the second round of this year's NBA draft. If you want to know further on the story of Jake Wiley, please hit up Matt Norlander's story. It is unbelievably well done and documents it even further and deeper than Mike and I will talk about here. But if you are a team drafting late in the second round, why would you not go ahead and take a flyer on an unbelievably athletic, gifted guy? Think about all the people in the draft, Mike. Do you think anybody else in the draft was able to compete at the Division I level in three different athletic endeavors? Do you think anybody is? No. The answer is no. Nobody is. But this guy is. The fact that he has that speed, the fact that he has that durability, the fact that he has that versatility to go ahead and compete at the Division I level at Montana in in basketball, track, and football speaks to his athletic gifts. If we're going to go ahead and like grade people out athletically, I'm sure he's going to be like a top five, top ten athletic freak in this draft. Maybe he's not Hamadou Diallo, but he's very gifted. So let's hope his name gets called later on in the night on Thursday during that NBA draft in the second round and somebody takes a flyer on Jake Wiley from Eastern Washington. It's a phenomenal story. You got to check it out on CBS Sports if you haven't seen it. It's incredible. I didn't see it. Gus showed it to me. Couldn't stop reading it. This is what we're talking about. Why would you not? I'll say it again. Well done, Gus. Why would you not take a flyer on this guy? Look at what he's been through. This is a guy who's a man. He's gone through situations that have made him a man. He's not a kid. He's a grown person. He's got an incredible work ethic. What he's overcome, his athleticism, as Norlander writes, is totally elite. To went off the board. This will make it should make everybody watch two rounds of the NBA draft because I will stand up and cheer if this guy gets drafted. He deserves a chance. He just married his high school sweetheart. He went through a hell upbringing. He quit. He got hard love from the coach. He didn't know how to deal with it. And now he's turned his life around. Somebody give this guy a chance. Unbelievable story. Look, if you're rooting for that underdog story and like who you should pay attention to in the upcoming NBA draft, you now have a name. The name is Jake Wiley. Pay attention to this guy. Hope he gets drafted. And you know what's going to happen? If he doesn't get drafted, he is 100% going to get a free agent invite from some NBA team. Absolutely. And you know what? I'm going to applaud that NBA team because they are going to find a jewel in the rough, and they are going to be so happy that they invited that guy to their their camp because he is going to bring an attitude to that camp that other free agent rookies are not going to bring. A mature a seasoned and like an, an unbelievably fresh outlook on things. He will look at that as like the most, the best opportunity, the most unique opportunity of any that he's ever had in his life. And he will not waste that opportunity, which is going to be totally cool. And that's why he's going to get an invite or get drafted in the second round. This is a guy who can't wait to hear his name called. He is ready. He is ready to play in the NBA. He has the mindset. He has the athleticism. He has the work ethic. Somebody's got to give him a chance. 
here at Screen the Screener, we are going to champion him. We might even mention him just every single podcast until the NBA draft takes place. Uh, so, again, please read up on this guy. It's an amazing story. Uh, and if you haven't looked at, like, clips of him, like, you're going to love watching him play because he plays really hard and he's unbelievably athletic. Uh, but you just haven't seen him on TV. So just go ahead. It's it's worth a couple of seconds to type his name into Google and then to see what happens. Uh, Mike, do you want to go over a couple of guys that are staying put? Uh, maybe like a six-pack of guys that are staying put, and we'll give our, our two cents on the guys that stayed put as opposed to the guys that came out. Who doesn't love a good six-pack? <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, uh, you know, cheers out there, everybody. We wanted to say uh, uh, cheers to everybody. I hope everybody's enjoying whatever six-pack you might be uh, enjoying. So these guys are coming back for another ride in the NCAA for one more season. I'll take the first guy, and I, I think we mentioned him before, Trayvon Blewett from Xavier. I'm so happy that he's coming back. I, Mike, I think you uh, went off on the little diatribe that, like, you know, he made the big mistake. He had this great NCA run and then got picked up by the police for the misdemeanor and got arrested and now has something on his record, right? So that's the last thing that you want going into the NBA draft. You do not want to answer that question, what, 30 times to every NBA team that's going to be asking you that, right? Don't give them a reason not to pick you. Do exactly. not give them a reason. It was terrible. It was a buzzkill. So why not go back, go be first team, all Big East, go ahead and find yourself on somebody's all-American preseason team, whether it be first, second, or third team. Why not go ahead, challenge Villanova for the outright Big East title, and why not go ahead and have another unbelievable, sick NCA run like he did last year? He put up like 80-plus points in the run that Xavier had beating Arizona and then losing to finally losing to Gonzaga and then putting your name in for the draft and then having a good taste and keeping your record clean from here until there. Right, Trayvon Blewett? Yeah, Blewett had a great run. He was on fire. It was good to see because Xavier went through some tough times all year with Sumner and the injuries, and he carried them. So he was ready to propel himself to be a first-round pick, and he would have been. But then that happens, the the, uh, arrest, the doubts start creeping in. He had to come back. It's a smart move. It's good for the Big East. It's great for Chris Mack and Xavier, and he's a guy you root for. Kid made a mistake, no problem. But, yeah, he's got to come back because I don't know if he would have got drafted. He Certainly, if he did, it would have been the second round. Agreed. Hey, how about one of your guys? Mo Wagner from Michigan. The big guy comes back. He showed out big time in that UCLA game. Super skilled big. I'm kind of happy he came back. I'm looking forward to watching him play. Yeah, the word was out. Jury was out on Wagner. 6'11", sophomore from Germany. Really improved. Jumped his points, Gus, from 2.9 to 12.1 per game. Doubled his rebounds, ended up going to 4.2. Was shooting 40% from three-point range, but he could up his stock. He could be 15, 16 points per game. He could get six to eight rebounds. So uh, DraftExpressNBADraft.com did not have him getting drafted. SB Nation right. and Bleacher Report saw him as a second-round pick as best. So he comes back. Jaron Simmons is there. Michigan's going to be pretty good. Good move for Moritz Wagner. Glad he's coming back. Me too. Next guy, well, one of my favorite guys. I'm so glad he's coming back. Jonathan Williams from Gonzaga. Gonzaga loses a ton. Obviously, they lose Shemek. Uh, obviously, they lose uh, Nigel Williams-Goss. Uh, they're going to lose Zach Collins as well. Williams put his name in the draft got some good feelers, and decided to come back. So I'm happy that he, Perkins, and they have the cool this cool French player from overseas that's coming in as well. Um, so they're going to have some pieces in place, but he is going to be the glue guy. He's not going to put up giant numbers, I'm sure, 
but he is going to be have the opportunity to go ahead and lead this team to perhaps another uh, WCC title and then another uh, obviously another NCA bid. And you know they're going to get they're going to get tested from St. Mary's. So the more ammunition that Gonzaga has, the better. So I'm very happy that Jonathan Williams is going to come back and give it his senior season a run at Gonzaga and help the Zags get back and find more success in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I, I, I like it. I, I think it's 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 great that he's coming back. I think it's very smart. I, I, I They need their players back. Gonzaga can make another run next year. Williams was a core guy. Needed to come back and show something. Wasn't quite ready for the NBA. I know it's tempting. But listen, Gonzaga can make another run. They can go undefeated in WCC again. So why not come back, up your stock, and maybe you slide in and take some of that Nigel Williams-Goss you know, vibe and end up making yourself a first-round pick. I support it as well. Your guy, Justin Jackson, not UNC, from Maryland, decides to come back and play one more season for the Terps. Uh, good call, bad call, right call, wrong call? Would have gotten drafted. Probably would have been second round. I did that article for BT Powerhouse. I said I liked him more than Thomas Bryant as a pro. He's versatile. He's young. His wingspan is out, is out the, the door. It's incredible. But bigger news, Gus, for Maryland because you have Cowan, you have Herter, you have him. That's three solid players from Maryland. Yeah. Should put him in that top tier of the Big Ten next year. They can't match it like a Michigan State. But they should be able to hang with just about everyone else. So it's a good core and diverse group. No mellow Trimble. They needed him back. Justin Jackson was not a guaranteed first round pick. Could have happened. Wasn't sure. But honestly, Mark Turgeon should be excited. Justin Jackson coming back, making the right move. I think that they're going to be a top four Big Ten team, no doubt. So I think a call on your part. Uh, and I love him coming back. He could he could be one of those guys that just like blows up. He'd be one of those guys that comes back and has like you know, since, you know, he shares the name with him, he could have like a Justin Jackson season yeah, sure. UNC that he had last year and go ahead and average like 19 plus. Bingo. And yeah, right. Like, why couldn't you see that? They have a very similar game. How about uh, next two guys are on next two guys are West Coast. So we'll go Thomas Welch for UCLA. And Thomas Welch, he might be one of the best big men coming back in all of college basketball next year. He might be like a top five center slash four slash five uh, coming back for NCAA next year. Seven foot, average double digits last year, almost average a double-double on a team with tons of players. Ball is gone. Offered is gone. Uh, like you mentioned, Annabelle is gone. So he's going to get some more time down there. But Welch and the other guy that we're going to mention next, Holiday are going to take care of this UCLA team and make sure that they don't fall off the map. And I think that Offord is going to put Welch in similar positions that uh, he put Cameron Barstow at New Mexico when he was at New Mexico. Nice in. one, nice one. Barstow yeah. averaged almost like, I don't know, if we go back and look, like didn't he average like 15-plus points per game? Maybe even more than that. I might be misremembering that. But I can see Thomas Welch having like a big breakout year where you're like, whoa, who is this guy? And then, boom, you're looking at him and he's averaging 18 points a game. Uh, and then the final guy coming back is Aaron Holiday. Mike, did you do you feel like Aaron Holiday is going to run more point, run more two, or just do a little bit of everything for UCLA? Uh, it's a good question. The, you know, he got a boost in playing time because UCLA lost out on guard MJ Walker, who just declared that he's going to Florida State. 
So that helps a little bit. Great, great get for Florida State, by the way. Yeah, they got they got six players coming in. They have a, a good, solid uh, recruiting class coming in, six-man freshman class. They've been ranked number two in the country. We should get Paul Biancardi on and see what he thinks about that class. Yeah, yeah for, sure, uh, for sure. But it's very simple, Gus. If Aaron Holiday didn't start on UCLA last year, why is he going in the draft? It's really that simple. Don't tell me it's not complicated. It's it's complicated. No, it's not. If he couldn't start for UCLA, he shouldn't be in the draft. So I'm glad he's coming back. I'm not positive he's going to be a start. He was 12 points, 4.4 assists, 2.3 rebounds, and he was balls backup. I get it. But you would think right. if he was explosive enough, he could have found his way into the starting lineup in some way. I know Alfred Sun was eh. there, the whole thing. But coming back, he should be a starter on that team. He has a chance. They were not him and Welsh were not on most of the mock boards. So I mean, I think that they most people thought they should return him and boost the draft stock. So they did the right thing, and um, you know his brothers Giroux and Justin both were in the NBA. But right. I, I think Aaron's got to wait a little bit and put up a little bit more. He's an explosive scorer, but I don't think he would have been drafted. So of course it's the right move. Yeah, so come back and put out some big numbers. That's what I say too. And and he is he obviously if we extrapolate his numbers out with more minutes, like those numbers blow up. Um, and he shot a great, you know, he shot good percentages across the board. So let's get him on the floor more. Let's get him uh, spacing the floor for Thomas Welch, and then let's see how UCLA does without uh, Lonzo Ball and Offord. And it'll be interesting to, to see what that experiment looks like. Uh, I, I think they'll be just fine with those two guys coming back. Mike, we have a couple more players to talk about, but I think we need to give a little ahoy out there. Um, let's give an ahoy out there to at. Montana Baldwin at Montana Baldwin. We just want to say rock chalk Jayhawk. Do your thing out there. Ahoy out there at Zag Blue 24. We know we just talked about how happy we were are that Williams is back, and we want to say ahoy out there at Wubba Chicken. Now Wubba <laughs> Chicken was one of our reviewers on iTunes, so we just want to say thanks to Wubba Chicken for the review on iTunes, and please listeners. Um, we love doing this for you guys. Um, if you really like what you're listening to and what Mike and I bring and like the the opinions and, and, and so on that we bring, go ahead and please rate us on iTunes. Mike and I uh, have a goal of trying to read 100 rankings or 100 ratings on iTunes by the time the season starts next year. So jump in like Wubba Chicken. Give us like, you know, a cool review on there. Take two seconds, plug in your name, and then here's what we'll do from here on out. Everybody that gives us a review on iTunes will give you a shout-out on the podcast. There you go. Yeah, we, uh, we got to make a push, guys. We're, we're doing well, and next year is going to be a huge year for Screen the Screener. So those reviews help us. They get us up in the rankings. We could really use that. And again, you guys are the producers of the show. You're the ones who contribute to the show. Email us, sdspodcast at gmail.com. On Twitter, at sdspodcast. Contact us at Currents 12 myself, STSY Warrior Mike. Let us know. Give us input, things you want on the show, and we could use some uh, reviews in, in return. Who's going to be our 50th review? I don't know, Gus. we got 49 right now. Let's just get one more. Yeah, yeah. Let's get halfway there. Uh, guys, if we get to uh, 100 by next season, that'd be amazing. So thank you guys for listening in. Mike, I think, we'll, I think we'll call it quits here, even though we had a couple of more things that we wanted to talk about. We'll talk about those things next week. We had a couple of more guys that were coming back that we want to give our two cents on. And then Mike and I, each and I had like a way too early, like top 10 or top 15 that we wanted to talk about. But I think we'll save that for next time, if that's okay with you, Mike. Yeah. I mean, this was, again, this is the best time. We got some good guests coming up, folks, as well, that we're trying to get on the podcast to talk about the draft on June 22nd. So we got some good things coming your way. 
this is exciting. We finally have the door closed. We know who's in the draft. We know who's not in the draft. And uh, Gus, as we get closer, let's tell him right now, we're actually going to do something, folks. Gus and I, uh, we're going to predict the first round, he and I, Mm -hmm. and we're both going to give our picks and see who is closer. Now, the last time we did this, if you remember correctly, was the bracket challenge and Gus smoked me in the bracket challenge. Uh, The only way I could beat Gus was when I made him forced his Yoda-like Zen to try to get to 10 fishy lines. Oh, right, right. Do you guys guys remember that? That was like mid-season and Mike challenged me to like 10 picks. Right. So to be – again, we'll lift the curtain here for the listeners. Like, okay, I was like, okay, great. I love doing this. This is awesome. So again, like Mike and I have like real lives and and are trying to do other things in our lives. So I really focused in on like what, four or five picks? You started 4-0. And then, four like, and yes, yes. And then I just kind of like you know just like pulled some picks out of the air. Um, so that that that's where that that that's where that happened, and, and you were victorious there. And then I think I had to sing something. Is that is that is that what the loss was? Yeah, which is now the song of the summer in my mind. It was California. Oh, right? by Phantom Planet. Very Phantom good. Yes, 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 yes. So Gus, I um, guess when we do this competition, there's no chance of me putting a clock on you and make you doing the picks in under sixty seconds because I think I need that to win. <laughs> All right. I don't think no, if I give you a week you or two to prepare, there's no way I'm beating you on this. We we should we should uh, we should have some other sort of challenge to each other, and you know whoever gets more first round picks correct or something, we'll have we'll have some sort of challenge where the loser has to do something silly. Yeah, I can't wait. Very good. Okay, uh, and listeners, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you for carving out time of your week or your weekend for the Screen the Screener podcast. Again, if you want to hit us up on Twitter, please hit us up at SDS Podcast. Uh, we're looking for efficiency in keystrokes there so you don't have to waste a whole bunch of time. Uh, if you like getting in touch with the podcast, please email us at sdspodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, we love interacting with you guys, whether it be via Twitter or via via email. And again, uh, we're looking for getting a whole bunch of reviews. So if you you know, got some free time this weekend, punch up one of those reviews and we'll give you a shout out on one of these podcasts coming up. If you give us a, a cool review and uh, maybe we'll quote something from you guys, that'd be great. So uh, listeners, I hope you enjoyed the draft deadline drama as much as Mike and I did. Um, and we hope that this podcast gives you a little bit more information on what we're feeling. And again, if you're rooting for one guy, you're going Jake Wiley, right guys? Jake Wiley for that second round pick for that team that's just looking for a great athletic wing. Um, so hopefully we've given you something else that's a little bit off the radar that you can pay attention to too. Mike, anything else for the listeners out there? Yeah, team that takes Jake Wiley gets a lifetime pass to Wubba Chicken. <laughs> well said. Beautiful, baby. Beautiful. All right, listeners, thank you so much. Enjoy your weekend out there. We just want to say a happy Memorial Day to everybody out there. I hope everybody enjoys time with their families, time outside, time uh, paying attention to the appropriate things that you do during Memorial Day. Thank you, everybody. Hip, hip time. Sometimes you're